Welcome to Reading for Attention, the weekly podcast where me, Paul, and me Bessie mate Sarah chat about a recent book whilst drinking a carefully selected beverage. Now, why have we committed to reading a book every single week and talking about it in a public forum? Well, the same reason me and Sarah do anything in life, for attention. Remember in school, when the end of the world happened? I fucking do. I remember it. How did that happen? It was the Mayan calendar. I think it was like around the time that Reddit first became really popular. Well, is Reddit really popular? But like conspiracy theorists were saying the Mayan calendar ends in the 12th month of the 2012th year or whatever. So we're all going to perish and die. I feel like the end of the world happened in my school probably once every few weeks. And I wasn't in school in 2012. Oh, yeah. That's interesting. I think it just um, went around the school like, every day. Like, mm, the world's going to end the day. Any day now. The day. I remember Y2K. Well, I don't remember that because I was only five. But in hindsight, <laughs> um, <laughs> when we didn't die. And although actually that's quite a funny story. When, listen to this for some inappropriate parenting. When it was the turn of the millennia, my parents let me and my brother stay up until midnight and gave us both a miniature bottle of champagne. You know, those little ones. A I was baby five. sham. No, 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 not not an actual baby sham, but just a tiny little bottle of champagne. You were five. I was five. So obviously oh I had God. a sip and I was like, this is disgusting. And then I had a complete meltdown as the bells chimed, um, just completely inconsolable. And my parents are going, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I was like, you're going to die soon. Because I was convinced that it was. You were mortal. <laughs> <laughs> ah, you're not fucking wrong jesus christine <laughs> yeah uh in ode to christine yeah what tell us yeah cheers what are we we're drinking? drinking a sauvignon blanc specifically from new zealand however <laughs> in my i know i know but in my local sainsbury's the french sauvignon blanc was eight pounds and the New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc was £10.50. So, mother, this whole childhood where I grew up, not being able to have the latest Barbie and having to wear my brother's second-hand clothes was all because you were buying £10.50 bottles of Sauvignon Blanc. I'm fucking outraged. It is notoriously the most expensive Sauvignon Blanc. Uh, it's 10 quid for a glass at the theatre. Yeah, I remember when I worked at the pub. But this is... I was thinking about this the other day, right? Our bottle of house... Wine, which was a San Giovese. Oh, ours is a Chenin Blanc. <laughs> yeah, I feel like they usually Chenin Blanc, <laughs> San Giovese. Um, oh no, that was the red because that's red. That's a red one. I can't remember. A white Rioja, maybe eight pound eighty a bottle in the in in the pub. pub. And then the, the that was your house. Yeah, and then New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc was seventeen pound a bottle, which was just astronomical for me yeah. or for anyone so whenever anyone ordered it I was always shitting myself that I'd have to tell them it was 17 pound but can you imagine <laughs> like 17 quid I mean it was like That's... 15 years ago but well it's 10 pound for a glass at the theatre or 23 quid for a bottle so the issue being is that you can't I can't pour over a certain amount of liquid alcohol mm. because 
of licensing issues, but we can't allow glass into the auditorium. So they have to pour pints of wine. Yeah, been there many a time. Well, I don't see an issue with it. And you know what? You really, you really have to, it's just one of those customer service things where you have to gauge the customer really quickly. And it's a decision. Am I going to tell them that for an extra 13 quid, we can get four more glasses of wine or am I not? And then you've got to say, you're going to have to pour it into two pint glasses. And with some of them, you can be like, but hey, like festival vibes. Like, oh, I'm jealous, babes. I wish I was having drinking a pint of wine. And they're always like, pints of wine. Whoa. And then some, some are like, this is absolutely abhorrent. <laughs> and, I'm, and I just have to be like, I know. I honestly, I can't believe it myself. What's the world coming to? Uh, so have you been? It's Wednesday. We are two days out from recording our last podcast you said the last time we recorded on a Wednesday that you like Wednesdays because it's hump day vibes yeah I'm I'm excited about tomorrow because I'm going to a party a leaving party oh. and I'm seeing the old my colleague who I used to work with who found me on LinkedIn after I posted the podcast on there oh right okay excited about that tonight's been quite just like dull really it's what not, I wish it was that Wednesday. Just like nothing much. Do you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. The reason why you were buzzing about that Wednesday is because you had Friday off. And Mike was making margaritas. And you know what? Little what shit bag has not made me a single margarita tonight. Divorcing. Mm, I think I might dissolve the formation. Dissolve the formation, that is what I meant. Or at least threaten. Maybe I'll get him served with papers. Oh, yes. Sub penis. I might sub penis him. <laughs> I'll have a think about it. Um, okay. How have you been? Uh, yeah, good. I'm just absolutely shagged because I work two jobs. No one, no one. Do you? My God. I know. Yeah. I don't bring it up because I'm humble, but um, I do work two jobs. I actually give my second income straight to charity. Oh, dear. Yeah. Mm. What percentage of your first income do you give to charity? 79%. Mm, I'm at 83 Oh, yeah. Well, I, then my second income 100% goes to Ah, okay. So you're making it up. Yeah. Mm, okay. Let you have that one. We, um, do, uh, we were doing a collection at the theatre the other night on the way out. Guess what it was for? Oh, God. What a fucking Tory. Mm, I can't think of anything funny. For retired greyhounds. Oh, holy hell. I was holy like, is that, is that the most pressing issue? It is, you know, number one priority. Is the, is the retired greyhound community the RGC? Also, it's plus... like, well, they've retired, so just let them live in retirement. What what do they need money for? I mean, if I they've d- not saved the whole lives for their own retirement, then that's their own. Exactly. Thing. I was just gonna say they get they get bus passes. Like, what else do they fucking want? <laughs> if they can't draw the state pension, nah. don't look at me. I'll be seventy five when I retire. So the greyhounds they retire at what eight? It's just <laughs> ridiculous. For God's sake. I got my big old retirement letter in the post the other day. And, you know, it just gives you your projected retirement age. What was yours? I've never, I've never seen a number that high. It was like, the year was like 2090. I know. <laughs> like, I was sorry. Like, oh, I plan to be a long dead by then. Amazing. <laughs> Michael's got it in his head that he's retiring at 55. And I just have to let him believe it. Yeah, I know. Oh, bloody hell. Anyway, we are drinking a Newsy Z. Newsy Z? Savvy B? Is that right? Newsy. Um, What are we reading? We're reading 
My Evil Mother, a short story by Margaret Atwood. Um, we all know who Margaret Atwood is. I feel like she needs no introduction. Maybe I'll give her one. No. Yeah. Anyway, here's the little bio. Life is hard enough for a teenage girl in 1950s suburbia without having a mother who may or may not be a witch. A single mother at that. Sure, she fits in with her starched dresses, string, starched dresses, string of pearls and floral aprons. Then there are the husband and mystical consultations with neighbourhood women in distress, the unsavoury mysterious plants in the flower beds, the divined warning to steer clear of a boyfriend whose fate is certainly doomed. But as the daughter of this bewitching homemaker comes of age and her mother's claims to become more and more, sorry, and her mother's claims become more and more outlandish, she begins to question everything she once took for granted. So it's about a girl who grows up um, and we get kind of the course of her life and her mother is a witch, apparently. And the girl kind of believes that, then questions it, and then it's up to you to decide. Um, and of course, I'll give you a little rundown of Maggie A because it feels rude not to, given all that she's achieved and achieved a lot she has. Margaret Eleanor Atwood um, is a Canadian poet, novelist, literary critic, essayist, teacher, environmental activist and inventor. She's published 18 books of poetry, 18 novels, 11 books of nonfiction, nine collections of short fiction, eight children's books and two graphic novels and a number of small press editions of both poetry and fiction. She's won two Booker Prizes, the Arthur C. Clarke Award, the Governor's General Award, the Franz Kafka Prize, Princess of Asturias Awards, and the National Book Critics and the PEN Centre Pen Centre USA Lifetime Achievement Award. And obviously, most famous of all of that is probably The Handmaid's Tale, which came out in the eighties, and then the follow-up, which came out in twenty twelve. Well, we did it the other, we spoke about it the other day. Probably twenty nineteen. 2019 2018 uh, but no yeah whatever something um, like that testaments and the handmaid's tale kind of grew in popularity really recently because it was made into a i think hbo produced tv program with elizabeth um, moss. elizabeth moss at the helm who is i think we've spoken about her on the podcast before a fantastic actress but an absolutely bonkers scientologist so and how is she in her mid's tale? It's just that's irony. That is fucking irony. Well, I'm finding the irony every brother. day. Fucking yeah. Oh, look at this. She live like her real life is friggin' handmaid's tale. Uh, but can we just go back a little bit? So I feel look. like we just brushed over the fact that she's an inventor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what did she invent? I think she actually invented fiction. Did she invent books? I think she invented books. She is... She maybe oh invented like the Henry Hoover or something. What did Margaret Atwood invent? Holy shit. It was it the toaster, was it? Holy shit. Fuck off. She invented... Smeg fridges. Oh, I wish. I don't know why I wish, but I really want one of those. I just wish it wasn't called Smeg. She... Invented a remote control pen allows writers to sign books for fans from thousands of miles away. <laughs> right. Well, I'll tell you what's happened there. She's come up with the concept. She's not done the fucking. She, she, she's conceived it. It allows a pen. No, it allows a person to. Re- 
It allows a person to remotely write in ink anywhere in the world via tablet, PC and the internet and a robotic hand. She invented it in 2004. That was before Facebook. It's called Long Pen. (laughs) That's a shit name. That is a really shit name. (laughs) Long Pen. She should have called it the Peggy Pen. Peggy's Pen. Peggy's Pen. Peggy's Legendary Pen. I'd buy that. (laughs) Legendary, no. Um... I can't believe that. That is really fun. Uh, it's not taken off though, has it? Well, I mean, how many people need to do that? But anyway, I'm more impressed by that than all of our other awards. Imagine if me and you could have one of those each, just <gasps> sign shit for each other. I like oh, your hair like that, babe. Do you? I've got me bits, little bits. <laughs> yeah, it could be in Little Mix. <sighs> oh, don't say that. I'm going to see them next week. Or prison. Oh, God. Can you imagine in prison like this? <laughs> Right, this feels like a private joke because you can't see me here, but I've basically be... twisted my fringe into two little curly bits. You'd be on not on not on normal courtyard exercise. <laughs> um, right, so inventor yes. of the long pen is what we've established. And also just a good writer. She's a good writer. I wonder if she writes her books using the long pen, like when she's on holiday. She has a thought. She's like, <laughs> by the pool, she has a thought. She's like, I'll just chop that down. And Stop somewhere that down in, in Toronto. In a room back in Toronto, there's a little pen scribbling away. I'm absolutely fascinated by this. Well, that's probably why she's got so many fucking books. I bet she just sets three different pens off at once. <laughs> wow. Okay. What did you think, Paul? I thought, fabulous. That took me half an hour to read. 30 pages. It was unreal. Just... God, when I got to the end, I was like, fucking hell, that's amazing. <laughs> uh, I actually read it twice. <laughs> for attention no yeah. because I read it the first time on the tube and I don't know if my mind was fully in it then afterwards I was like I don't even know what happened there so then I read it again today tonight in the bath when it had my full attention you had a bath that's cute I've had a bath I do quite I like a bath these days I haven't I didn't have a bath in my old flat no and I know I, and there was one in the other one before that but it was shared and I feel like a shared bath flat is just not it's not, not the, the vibe, you know. I can always tell when you're in the bath because you like to voice note me when you're yeah. in the bath. And I can Echoey. hear the acoustics mm. of the bathroom. And mm. I think he's either doing a big, big poo or he's having a bath. Or he's or doing both. both. Yeah. Um, and the second time, yes, I got it a lot more and I yeah. enjoyed it. I feel like we can spoil this because it's 30 pages. And if you haven't managed to read 30 pages, then not only you're not a true fan, but you're also really, really thick. So you may as well spoil it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean there's not an awful lot to spoil basically what you just said was the whole idea so it's more I guess short stories I don't read a lot of them but I'm guessing it's like what's the message what's the moral of the story yeah and here was my interpretation of the moral of the story right mm-hmm. so the woman the mother the evil mother obviously is a mother in the 50s where I'm picturing her living on Wisteria Lane and yeah. everyone's a housewife and it says things like the women don't work, the men do, blah, blah, blah. And she's just a bit weird. And, mm-hmm. and she's completely ostracized because she's weird. But also people find her quite intriguing. And it was only the second time around when I really got the fact that women who were obviously really repressed in their marriages and didn't really have much going on with their lives would come over to this witch's house to get like a reading. They were downstairs. I didn't get the first time either. I was going to say, I glossed over that. So the daughter was like, I could hear these distressed women coming in to speak to my mom and she's obviously giving them a read. And it, that yes. to me was indicative yeah. of the fact that these women don't really have 
anywhere to turn in this society and they've got nothing going for them they're really just Mm -hmm. stuck where they are and actually although outwardly they judge this witch and call her crazy and they're actually intrigued by it and they actually go to her for help I also think that the woman is a bit of a legend because she is just booking the trend of she's refusing to be this housewife and she doesn't give a shit what people think of her she always says it's not about being liked it's about being respected and she also uses her quirkiness to her advantage I think so she really harms up the fact that everybody thinks she's just mental and that she's a witch and she's like grind she she thinks there's like a ghost outside and all this stuff and she freaks her daughter out but I think she's doing that in the only way that she knows how to protect her daughter because there's no father figure in the house people think that this weird family because back then it wasn't okay to be a single mother and the daughter's clearly fallen for this absolute waste of space who later turns out dies from being shot nine times on a drug deal so -hmm. she tells the daughter that he's gonna die in a car crash unless you break up with him which you know granted is iffy tactics I would say but she, she knows that she can't say to her daughter, oh, don't go with him. He's not right for you. Because <laughs> the daughter will be like, fuck you, mum. So she says, if you don't break up with him, he's going to die in a car crash. <laughs> and, it, and you're, and you're going to be seriously maimed. Yeah, you're going to be fucking maimed to fuck. <laughs> and she says the only, and then she's like, well, can't you just, can't you just um do something to his car so he can't drive? And she's like, who said it was... Who said it was good? just his car? Even if he's in someone else's car, he might die. He will die. So she's like, basically, babe, you're going to have to break up with him. And that's the only way that he's not going to die. And the daughter does. And then later in life, she realizes, oh, shit, he was a bad person and was killed anyway. She tells her daughter that her dad's a gnome, a garden gnome. Loved that bit. Loved the fact that she had to ask the gnome's permission for shit, like ice cream. But I liked, my be- favorite part about that was that the dad being a gnome she would be she'd be like i want ice cream and they'll be like no not unless your dad says she can have it so then she'd go and ask the gnome and then she'd come back in and she'd be like what did the gnome say what did your father say and she'd be like, he said i could have one and the woman just give her one yeah I like, I like that i was like she's a woman of a word yeah she's committed but it turns out that her dad was an alcoholic who left left the family and ended up going to prison and then getting a new family and I guess the man was like wanting to protect her daughter from that. I think she just fully leaned into this witch thing. Yes. Fully leaned into the witch thing. She does a point, which very much is Sabrina point. Says, oh my God, that was unreal. The point bit. Yeah. Don't I'll point, point at you. Yeah, that's it. Don't make me point. But the daughter's actually scared of the point in. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately the mother deteriorates quite quickly and she dies. And when she's in the hospital bed, she says, the daughter's like, right. And then I asked her because I thought this is my chance. She's, she's senile. She's weak. She's not, she's just going to tell us the truth. She said, it, w- was it true? All those things you told us about being a witch. And she said something like, listen, the world is a really scary place. I wanted to protect you. I wanted the universe to protect you. And the daughter has this moment where she's like, oh my God, my mom's been my protector my whole life. She's not evil. And then she says, thank you for inventing all those things. And the mother's like, invented? Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. But what did you think? What did you think she meant by that, the mother? I don't know. Um, I, I, you... <laughs> that the evils of the world still exist. 
just I don't know am I gonna are we gonna try and go deep with it or just like at that point she was senile and she'd lived a whole fucking life as a witch playing into this yeah whether it was caricature whether she fully believed it maybe it was something that she'd started off as some like a joke and then her life had sort of spun out of control a little bit because her daughter leaves her for university and then they go through like it's kind of episodic their speech to one another and then the mum will overstep the line and then the daughter will stop speaking to her and then when the daughter has two daughters of her own she tries to protect her children from her mother and so speaks to it even less um and so it's like oh is this woman now become more like this because she's been left alone for so long or has she been like this the whole time? Yeah. The thing we forgot, we haven't said yet, is that after the man dies, that's not the end of the book. So it no. then kind of replays the original scene where the mother and the daughter are arguing. And she's like, my mum's evil. But it's now the daughter who's got her own daughter. And her daughter's got a bit of lip on her, like. And I was like, Ch- chill the fuck out, babes. Yeah, she was like, you're a fucking bitch. She said fuck like 20 times. I mean, not that we can talk, but I'm 30 years old. <laughs> I can do as I please. Um, Uh, And it was like this parallel moment where she's like, oh, right, being a mom's dead hard and my daughter (laughs) wants to go and shag this guy in the woods and I'm going to pretend I'm a fucking witch. And she's like, don't make me point. (laughs) (laughs) And it's a full circle narrative. The one thing that was mega confusing was like, it seemed to jump forward hundreds of years at a time. It started, the narrative started in the past, in the 50s. And then by the end, I was like, are we in 2050 now? Because the attitude of that daughter, not very millennial, not very Gen Z, no. Um, and also there was one point when the father, a father dies, he has cancer, and the mum turns up to the funeral wearing all black, and there's this quote in it, and she's like, long gone were the days of people wearing all black to funerals. And I was like, eh? Yeah, I thought that. And I was like, what you want about? Are we in are we in dystopia or a utopia? So that was a bit confusing. My favorite part, and it's always something that does surprise me with Margaret Atwood novels is these moments of like vulgarity. I think with something this short, especially it's so hard to separate it from the author because it's it's just, it feels like just a little, not even like a passion project. It just feels like a little thing that Margaret Atwood's done probably with a long pen. She's just done it kind of off the cuff and it's very hasty. And I mean, probably not, probably took like a, I don't know. No, it's Margaret Atwood probably took about five minutes, but it's one of those where it feels really close to the author because there isn't enough time for us to fully develop characters, even though I think it's done really well in this. And it's something that does surprise me in all of her writing because Handmaid's Tale was really short. But when there are these moments of vulgarity, I think of Margaret Atwood's image of yeah. this very old lady. And it just doesn't obviously marry up <laughs> in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and it reminded me because at this, like this last chapter where the daughter of the main character of this book is like fuck you mummy piece of fucking shit um and it was just like awful and i was like oh oh margaret how can you possibly find such things it reminds me of the time when i was at my grandma's house my grandma's like a really sweet little old lady it wasn't as much um back when this happened but now is very much like just your classic cute old woman and there was a copy of Fifty Shades of Grey on her bookcase. Hold um, it right there. Uh-huh. Have I told this story before? 
This is the one time when I am absolutely sure you've told this on the podcast before. Yes, I think I have. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably. Almost it. <laughs> that means what real podcast says. Does it? Yeah, because when you know when you listen to a podcast, they're like, oh my God, we told that before. Should we ask our producer? <gasps> what do you would call our producer? Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> I really like that. <laughs> Daddy. <laughs> um, okay, I won't, I won't bother telling the rest of that. You know, at the end. Basically, Sarah walked in on her. No, I'm joking. <laughs> oh. um, the bit, my interpretation mm-hmm. was kind of similar to what you were saying, but because there's the historical figure of the witch, isn't there? Mm-hmm. And the whole issue one of the many issues for these witches were that they, as soon as you were labelled a witch, you were a witch. So... It was a catch-22, that. Yeah. The whole, exactly. throw them in the lake. If they drown, mm-hmm. they were innocent. And if they float, they're a witch. Yeah. So these women were just labelled as that and there was nothing they could do to get out of it. And I think that's a good metaphor for your place in society. Like, sometimes you just... Fucking Mungo. Sometimes you just can't get out of it. So, have you seen the film The Witch with Anya Taylor-Joy? No. It is so, 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 so good. And When did that come out? I've seen prob- a scary film. But I think That's that was it? Witch, but it was like- oh, Witch. Witch, yeah. Not The Witch. I think it's just Witch. It is like Black a scary, and- spooky film. It's, um, it was, is he called Robert Eggers? His first film. And basically, in that film, Anya Taylor-Joy is the sister of this baby. And they're all living in New England, like back in witchy days. And, oh my god, that book <gasps> just fell behind! Oh, don't like it, Paul. The book behind us just like fell in the, on the shelf. Bloody hell! What's happening? Oh my god, there's just a flick around. Yes, my I know, I know, well. Paul. I'm gonna shit myself if someone comes in behind me. Don't tell me. Just oh. let them kill me and be done Can with you it. Imagine. No, oh, I keep going on tangents here. But there's also a really good lockdown horror where they're yeah. on a Zoom call. And it's 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 like unfriended, but they filmed it all at home. Yeah, I was and it's say. really good. It's not called unfriended. Can't remember what it's called. Great. Mm. Back to witch. So Annie Taylor Joy's got this little baby brother or sister, whatever, and she's doing the peekaboo, and she goes peekaboo, uh-huh. covering her eyes, and she's like three or four times, and she goes peekaboo, and she she yeah. uncovers her eyes, and the baby's gone, and she doesn't know where it's gone, and all of her yeah. family start turning on her and they're like you're a fucking witch you're a witch where's this baby and she's like I don't know I don't know where the baby is it's so good I don't think I have seen that and the label her as a witch and then by the end she just has no choice but it's like if you can't beat them join them so she joins this clan of like naked topless women who've all been labeled as witches and they just live in like a commune together and so I know it sounds great so that's my interpretation at the end so I think you're right like when she's going senile because she's been labeled as that her whole life yeah she's, she's always like, been yeah. called crazy I think like in her mind she now is that and and they're almost she's one in the same like saying that you are and but, yeah extent, yeah no matter obviously I mean maybe not obviously after that paranormal experience we just had but obviously like, witches aren't real but being labeled a witch and being a witch may as well be the same thing so yes, very good point and I am gonna agree yeah fabulous um, and yeah, she's just like mega eccentric. And the, at the end, the, the, the mother I thought she was just class. Yeah, I did too. The daughter, on the other hand, my, 
I think Margaret Atwood was, I liked some of the lines that the daughter had because she was so unself-aware. And I think writing in first person, I think the other example we've had of this was Absorbed. Absorbed. I think that was in first person. What we loved about it was that it was in first person, but the character didn't know herself very well, but the audience did. And I think yes. you've got to be a pretty good writer to get that across. One of my favorite lines was when she goes to meet the dad for some dinner. Mm-hmm. And the rhetoric surrounding her dad, despite the fact that he went to prison for being alcoholic and whatever else, he, oh, he killed someone driving. That's what he did. So there's that parallel between the boy dying in the car. The way she speaks about her dad is, is she makes a lot more, there's a lot more lenience for him. Yes, and exactly. a lot less for a mom who, yeah, is maybe you know a bit annoying sometimes, but she's certainly not a, a killer. Yeah, um, and it turns out now the dad's a reformed character. He's got this new family. Oh, sorry, I haven't been in touch. And he works as a volunteer. He works for a prison charity, going into prisons. And the daughter says, "Oh, I'm really glad that I, he's got this job and this family because it means that I'm not going to have to look after him when I'm old. Um, and I'm glad he's quite virtuous as well because obviously that's good genes for me." So she says, yeah. "Like the least virtuous, like the most selfish thing ever." And then she's like, oh, "I'm glad he's virtuous because I'll inherit that, not knowing that she's saying, yeah, the most she- nasty, like terrible thing." And it's like, I'm glad I'll be, I won't be inheriting a completely rotten set of genes. Mm-hmm. As though a mum is, like, yeah. yeah, that is ironic. Ironic. I could really, really picture that pink Angora sweater. Ooh, yeah, what's Angora? I'm going to Google that. Oh my God, it's a huge, like, rabbit thing. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, it's a, pro- a massive big furball. <laughs> It is. It's a oh. Look at the just search Angora. Look at the first oh. one. With the fluffy ears. The tufty ears. That's so cute. Well, why was she whinging? I think that would look very stylish. Me too. Oh, this is very. Here's a quote. You've sort of mentioned it earlier, but you didn't quote it. So I'm just gonna read this out, and you're gonna say, "I know who that reminds me of." Hurt fiddlesticks. I wouldn't give them the satisfaction. She'd said with a lift of her chin. They may not like me, but they respect me. Respect is better than like. I disagreed. I didn't care about being respected. That was a school teacher thing, like black lace-up shoes, but I very much wanted to be liked. My mother frequently said I'd have to give up that frivolous desire if I was going to amount to anything. She said that wanting to be liked was a weakness of character. So, Paul, we've got weak characters. <laughs> I'm not asked as long as I'm liked. I well, precisely. Do you know what? Thinking back on it, I read it a couple of hours ago. It was incredibly impressive how in such a short amount of time, and I, I know I've said it was difficult to get, like, it's difficult to do this to get, like, a full character across, but they are. They're, they're fully realised. I don't think there was anything that... I mean, there was the obvious big question at the end. Which is which, she a witch? Which is the witch? Is is the witch. witch. I was going to say, which witch is the witch? Which witch? It's almost um, as if... She's a really good fucking writer. She knows what she's doing. God damn it. Almost. Anyway, that's all I needed to say. Same. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Cheers, Peggy. Write another one. I might read a couple more short well, stories. I've got the fucking... What's it called? The assassin one. The 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 one that she won the book of. Oh, yeah. There's something... Assa- is secret assassin. Secret assassin. The blind assassin. The blind assassin. It sounds so good, but um, it is also like 800 pages. Oh, no, it's only 536. I need to get it together. Bloody hell, this one's 30. That'll do me. (laughs) Thanks, Pegster. Love you loads. Love you. (laughs) 
So, Sarah, I had a brainwave this week. Mm-hmm. Why are we trying to create an original format for a podcast when we could just nick the ones that already do well? Don't reinvent the wheel. Is that a thing? Yeah, it took me decades to understand what that meant. Understood? <laughs> to understand what that means. Go on, blow my mind. No, no, that you're right. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to do some old Fruit of the Loom shit again. Blow my mind, daddy. so we are today in the next i mean it's going to be way shorter than their episodes because we've only got about 20 minutes left we are going to do our very own off menu menu of sarah hopkins and paul what i can never remember tunes but um yeah oh bloody hell that every day as well so do i you know what i've realized i don't have a good recall for things like jingles whenever we do quizzes Mm -mm. the michael absolutely loves a theme tune round i never get any of them i didn't even get pointless and i was on it you won it i won it Anyway, off-menu menu of us. So if anyone hasn't listened to off-menu, I can't believe I'm plugging a podcast that's got like 50 billion listens. We've got like 12. Uh, it's <laughs> James A. Caster and Ed Gamble. And they get a comedian usually or a famous person on to do their dream starter, main course, side dish, dessert, drink. That's it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Favourite ever. So like, you've basically what if you could just have your own if you could just have uh, the meal of your life in the dream restaurant James in the dream restaurant yeah yeah but that but I'm not going to do that course because I, I for one bread. don't give a shit if what your decision is and if and also it's bread obviously yeah. so do sparkling water don't care about that either Right. So, but what we're going to do is have a drink for each course, obviously, because Ooh. imagine having one drink in my dream meal. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I'm like, it's a dream meal. So sure, it's a never ending cup. Yeah, exactly. And, and you don't like get a hangover. So I think we'll do it like you do your thing. You, I'll do my thing. You do your thing. I'll do my thing. So first of all, I want the setting. Okay. Where is Where are you in your dream restaurant? Right. So it's not somewhere that I've ever been. It's not That's somewhere fine. That- it's not something that exists. It's it's imagination. Fine. It's in a cave. Hear me out. Right. It's in a cave, and to get into the cave, you have to go through a sheet of water. But someone will just like hold a little umbrella so you don't get wet. Okay. And then there's like maybe a pool that comes into the cave, and it's not like cavey as in like stalactites and stalactites, and like wet algae everywhere it's like dry and maybe like a nice terracotta orange and then there's fuck tons of candles and just a few like round bistro tables it's mega warm in like a sexy mediterranean way not like a sweaty way and then on this little pool that comes into the cave maybe right by the waterfall entrance there's a pine grand piano and someone's just playing some really relaxing tunes all of the waiters are shirtless and single and that's my setting holy shit i have never been so sold in my life you didn't stumble (laughs) once do you want to go i want to fucking go whoa that was really really good i would like to be there too but what I was thinking for my setting is I want to be, I had, I had some uh, cavey sort of situations like near, but mm. I would want to be on a beach. So I guess it would be the cliffs behind, but like, yes, 
on a beach at dusk i'd be i'd be smoking again and smoking i would hear there'd be a club a gay club in the near distance if that's you can just hear that i can hear it i can hear it and yeah and i know that i'm gonna be there later because in the in my dream restaurant i'm not getting full and there'll be no poo babies what do they call them food babies <laughs> poo babies <laughs> and, and but then it would be like mine wouldn't be the only restaurant that'd be it'd be a whole row of restaurants with similar uh-huh. vibes bit Grand Canaria vibes with kind of people whose hair is a bit tousled from sweat uh but they look they just look glowing because they're on holiday and having a fab time most people a little have, bit hot and sunburned yeah yeah like there's there's a bit of melanoma going on but it's they don't know it yet and people have got like blue umbrella drinks and oh my god that's that's my setting there's a this guy is a bit pink like a bit of it's a bit pink and you can hear the swishy waves but not really that loud because you can hear the music and there might be some like italian mediterranean music coming from my restaurant but you can just the sand is just vibrating a bit from the massive gay club yonder paul i'm gonna cry oh god (laughs) when can we go but I'm thinking of all of what you've just described, but in the cave that I described. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe your cave is just behind mine. Like yours <laughs> is part of the same place, but yours yeah. is just the cave restaurant and I've opted for the beachfront. This is perfect. Oh. Um, are we dining together? Because you would be my dream guest. Yeah, totally. Well, there's a reason that you have to dine with me. Oh, really? I'll, I'll get to it. Okay, so okay. we're not doing water because no. And papadoms or bread, they're not, that's not a, that's not a yeah. thing to ask that. Yeah. So we're not going to do that. So yeah. let's go for, so you need a starter and a drink. Yeah, I'm stressed already because it's a toss up between two. And by the way, my, it's not a conventional starter that you would order in a restaurant. It's not like, it's just. Fine. Yeah. Name, name them both. I'm going to name loads of stuff and choose one. Okay. So my all time favorite food is sandwiches. Oh my God. Yes. I just fucking love a butty. Me too. So basically, option one for my starter is the first time that I ate a butty and I thought, holy fucking shit, this is life changing. I was on holiday with my dad and my brother in Abbasock and there was a little deli and the sandwiches were five pounds each, right? Holy and hell. Yeah, back in the early noughties, five quid for a butty. I mean, five quid for a butty now is pretty extortionate, but five quid for a butty was like, my dad was furious, but he knew that if he gave me this five quid every day, he could go to the pub and I would just be happy getting this butty and going to the beach by myself. And the first day I went into this deli, I got this butty and it was in this crunchy white French baguette. But this is before Pret. This is before this is like a normal thing that you could get anywhere. And it was this really mayonnaise-y, garlicky chicken with loads of cracked black pepper, streaky bacon and really crunchy lettuce in this baguette. Five pounds exactly. And I remember getting it for the first day thinking, who the hell has put bacon and chicken together on a sandwich? Like that is insane. And then getting down to the beach and eating it and just thinking, I've been touched by a god. Like, I can't believe this is a thing. And then I had one every single day. And then every time we go back to Abbasak, I have them. And now, obviously, it's been ruined slightly by the fact that there are sandwich delis <laughs> in most places. But that, my mouth is boring. This is creepy. I hate it when people say that. I'm actually salivating. Um, <laughs> but it was fucking unreal. Second, second option for starter would be... When I was traveling in Japan by myself for a month in 2020, every day I would go into a 7-Eleven and get five of these things <laughs> because they're so good. And it's onigiri, 
which is, I don't know if you know it, but it's essentially like sushi. It's sushi rice in the shape of a triangle. And in the middle, it has something stuffed and it's wrapped in nori, which is like salted dried seaweed. And you get them in these little plastic triangles. It's like, yeah, you get them in those little plastic wrapping. You do the certain thing. They used to do, well, they obviously still do, but I've not been there. Spicy tuna onigiri. And I would get five and eat them throughout the course of the day and they're like a they're like a sandwich if you will from 7-eleven like a quid each and they were fucking stunning so either i would have the chicken and bacon sandwich from the deli in abasak or the spicy tuna onigiri from the 7-elevens in japan well you think wasabi used to do those i don't know if they still do and i could not for the life of me yeah there's just arrows all over it and I didn't. Maybe it's so easy. It is so. That is not my forte. I'm not very dexterous, and I always would just end up getting really angry, ripping it all, and then just like stuffing the whole fucking thing. Oh. In so you'll have to show us. So thinking about it, my main course has rice in it. For that reason, Simon, I'm gonna go for the chicken bacon lettuce baguette from the deli in Abbasok. Gorgeous. And- to wash it down with, Paul, mm. it's only ever going to be an apple teeny. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that'd be perfect for the setting as well. I fucking, they'd be like, are you, madam, are you sure? And I'd say, bring me my good apple teeny. But I don't want it in a, well, I do want it in a cocktail glass, but I want the cocktail glass to have the surface area of a dinner plate. Like a zombie glass. Yeah. Brilliant. Great oh, choice. What are you having for your starter? So for my starter, I absolutely love antipasti boards with the meats and the olives and all of that kind of stuff. The artichokes. Oh. Wow. Wow. Love all that. Mm-hmm. I love, I actually love a hot and sour soup, like from the Chinese. As, as long that as it's Michael not made too hot. Tea. That was gorge, yeah. He made sure to keep that not too spicy. I like Tom Yum soup. I like that kind of thing. But what I'm going to go for, I've never had before. Mm-hmm. But when I'm watching my reality TV shows, particularly the housewives, the order, the seafood tower. Yes. And it comes with, it comes in like a, fra- like a metal frame with crushed ice. Yeah. Like huge lobster tails coming off it and oysters, which I don't even like, but I'm, I would make sure that I did. Huge big prawns, mussels, like the most beautiful looking fresh seafood. And every time I see it, I'm just like, oh, I really want that. And it's I think it's probably about $150. Mm-hmm. That's what I want. I want a huge big one of them. I want everyone to look as it comes out and be like, God, he's earning some money. <laughs> and then but also added to it, and I think this is fine because it's my fucking game. So whatever. I want the sushi as well, but just the sashimi, which is still cold fish. So oh, there, there you go. go. So That's that, fine. and that would, there would just be sashimi all over the ice as well. And, oh, and I'd be dipping it in, and like the, the little dippies that you have. And wow. And even if I didn't like it, by God, I would bum it. The attention. Yeah. So that's what I want in this yeah. current moment in this day. I would, would like that. And for my drink, for my starter drink, I would like a very strong, very dirty martini with vodka, vodka martini. Oof. I would want it to be really cold with loads. Of, I would want blue cheese stuffed olives. Blue cheese olives, that's what I was going to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it would be quite a large 
you know, like the novelty porn star martini glasses that you get in like slug and lettuce. Yeah, that would be, yeah. be that. God, you are so fit. Thank you. Good choice. Good choice. I'd be happy having yours. Well, you will be because you'll be in the next restaurant along and you'll have to come and help us because it's going to be huge. Get through that session. Yeah. Um, okay. Main course. Main course. So I know exactly what I'm picking for this. However, okay. I would like to give an honourable mention to my mum's paella. Paella. Which I've eaten paella in Spain many a time from other places not in Spain, like food markets, etc. I've made it myself. I've had other people's homemade versions. No one on this planet makes paella as good as Christine Newton. So, mum, there you go. If it wasn't like my, if it was my second to last meal, I would have the paella because it is just unreal. I need and- to taste this. It's so good. And like, I don't, I'm sorry, mum, I'm going to call you out. It's not... It's, um, you know how in traditional paella you use saffron yeah. and loads of fresh seafood and chicken and torito and all that kind of stuff. My mum uses frozen seafood. She doesn't use saffron because we're not multimillionaires. She uses turmeric. Ketchup. Yep. <laughs> Ketchup. Turmeric. And it's, but it's just, oh my God. It's so, so good. Yeah. If you ever, if you ever make it, have a little whistle stop tour of Preston, which everyone should do before they die, you need to try my mum's paella because it is second to none and it usually is just before you die exactly of bliss you die of bliss however what has one top spot goes to my mum's ex-boyfriend's mum this is awkward yes sorry (laughs) mum um who used to make um i don't know her any longer so i don't even know if she's alive well um (laughs) she used to make something called lamplow which she's a Pakistani lady and it I guess it's similar in terms of the formation as like a biryani but it doesn't have as many spices that means that makes it sound like it's bland but it's not fucking bland but basically the long and short of it is that it's basmati rice and lamb stewed for fucking ages if the lamb had been alive by the time it was finished stewing it'd be mutton (laughs) um and it was just unreal and every time i would go over to my mum's ex-boyfriend's house um when i was younger his mum had would always have batch made me this food and i would just eat that constantly all weekend and it was so fucking good so i would have like you know ikea mixing bowls yes you know, the big fucker. Uh-huh. One of them filled with lamplow. Listen, I am going to say with chapati on the side. Mm-hmm. But that's just part of that meal. That's fine. Because my side mm-hmm. is from Malaysia. When I was in Malaysia with Holly and Rahani, and we'd one day ended up at some kind of ferry port, a little snack called roti chanai, which is roti bread bread like flatbread with three different curry dips and you just tear this bread and there's no like um the dips are like liquid there isn't any kind of like lentil or meat or any kind of pulse or substance to the dip it's just liquid and you rip the bread off and dip it into these three different curried 
dips poor it was fucking sensational and when we were in malaysia we somehow ended up at this ferry port and actually i know we were there we were doing i was doing a job interview which i had to do remotely via zoom or whatever it was back in the day and it was the only place that had free wi-fi so they were waiting for me in this ferry port um and they were just ordering from this little canteen roti chana after roti chana because it was like the equivalent of five pence a serving my god and when i joined them i sat down and i was like i need to have at least 10 of these and it's just fucking sensational so for my main i would have lamb plow with chapati and the side of roti chana and my drink would be full fat pint of draft coke with ice and a slice and i want it draft because i want it you know when there's a little bit too much syrup in it yeah and it's like a tiny bit too sweet. Yeah, your teeth in start like, to hurt. Yeah, and in like one of those pint glasses from my spoons that have all the white like bubbles on the outside. Yeah, the filthy ones. Years of being in the dishwasher. So you want a filthy pint glass of Coke? Draft, draft, cheapest chips Coke. Draft with Coke. Ice in a slice. <laughs> Bless you. <laughs> oh, oh fabulous. That's what I want. No, t- the distinct lack of vegetables. If I could have an additional side, I would maybe have some like um, griddled broccoli. Ten stem. We'll leave that off. So for me, mine is my foods are far less cultural. So far, my references have been the Real Housewives, and now <laughs> I've got a few. I mean, I, Maine's hard, isn't it? But I, it would ha- it would have to be something just normal. Like my favorite Maine's. Oh, no. I don't really eat pork anymore, but my, one of my favorite mains was sausage, beans, chips, and gravy. And Michael used to make it for us like once a month or something. Sometimes he oh. put onions in the gravy and I'd have a ketchup as well. Sausage, beans, chips, gravy, which I fucking loved. I do miss that. Uh, he also makes this amazing chicken burger where it's like, it's actually not deep fried chicken, but I, I, you could have it deep fried. It's mm-hmm. really nice. I don't know anything about cooking. If it's not deep fried, what is it? Just fried, pal- pan fried chicken. Pan yeah. Fried. With, uh, he puts like a hash brown on it. And then he has a, a dipping gravy. Does he coat the chicken in like breadcrumbs? Nah, it's not even breadcrumbs, but he just makes this amazing like marinade thing and puts it all over the chicken. Mm-hmm. And then has it, and then a cheese slice, like a cheese single. Oh. With the, oh, it's so good. And then I have beans and gravy and ketchup. Um, but I'm, what I'm gonna go for, and I, it's the, the problem is because the other thing I love is a burger, a chicken. Oh, I already just said, yeah. I literally just said a chicken burger, but that that one's like Michael's special one, but also just any chicken burger. But I'm gonna try and think about the experience. So I've got two foods that are really similar, mm-hmm. almost the same meal. In fact, maybe they are the same meal in two different places. So one of oh. them is. I probably have talked about this on the podcast, but the best night of my life, which was when me, Izzy, Michael and Sarah went to Gloria in, mm-hmm. where is it? Shoreditch. Yes. And it's this amazing Italian restaurant. And so my leaving drinks, not for Christmas. Yeah, yeah. I get things mixed up in my head. But and I had the cheese wheel pasta. I don't know if it was carbonara, but it was cheese wheel pasta. And it was utterly divine. And I've always wanted, out. yeah, I've always wanted the cheese wheel pasta. And it was just the experience of being there as well. I was just feeling myself, just smiling from ear to ear, <laughs> eyes glazed over. It was fantastic. <laughs> but then I could have I was... served you a, 
as shit in a cheesy I know, meal. I didn't just... care. I didn't care what it was. But then it reminded us of the first, the I don't know if it's the first carbonara I ever had, but it was definitely the best. And I think it's probably one of those like memory things. I was in Venice with my mom and dad when I was pretty young. Very, very lucky boy to be going to Venice. I think I was probably 12 or something. And absolutely loved Venice and loved it at the time. But my dad decided it was a really good idea to tell us the whole plot of Don't Look Now in extreme detail. (laughs) (laughs) I remember we're standing on the Rialto Bridge and he was talking about Don't Look Now because that was like enemy films, you know. And he was like, oh, it's quite scary. He's like, do you want us to tell you? And I was like, yeah, yeah. He's like, are you sure? And I was like, yeah. He's like, well, it's basically about this little gremlin woman who runs around and stabs people in the neck. And I in a red coat. I couldn't sleep for the rest of the holiday. It's I, really I watched that film when I was about 12. My auntie made me it's watch really it. It's really not very, very nice. It's very scary. Anyway, but the highlight of the holiday was that I got a carbonara from a restaurant in Italy. And obviously, well, we put cream in our carbonara. You're not supposed to. So... It was obviously perfectly made. It was the first time I remember tasting al dente pasta. Like it was quite hard. And I was like, my man boils the shit out of everything. And it made mm-hmm. like, that was when I came home. I was like, it must be al dente, mummy. And <laughs> I distinctly remember there being like a confit egg yolk on top of the pasta that you then like stirred in yourself. Oh. And it was just the most sensational taste. And just with the memory of it and being in Venice and like discovering food, I think I would choose that one and also even though in my restaurant I'm not gonna get overly full like I mentioned mm-hmm. it wasn't as heavy as like a creamy carbonara that you got here so I would have that and then for my side I mean I'm finding it really difficult not to just choose chips because I love chips <laughs> so so much with a little grating of truffle and some Tru- it would be truffle there. fries it would be yeah. truffle fries um I have chips multiple times a week like yeah oh yeah like four four five times a week god you lucky son of a bitch I know. Mike, they're like michael's made chips mostly but then sometimes we'll have just normal i love chips i love chips <laughs> and i think they would go quite nicely but and i also loved have you ever had the cream spinach from flat iron yes i have oh what? it's just it's just cream with a dash with of spinach slice of garlic like the sliced unreal mm. about I'd say 15 months ago, I became obsessed with rocket and parmesan salad. Yes. And I just started ordering it from everywhere. I fucking knew you were going to say this. Still love Sorry. that. Sorry. Don't know why I spoke. But you're not going to know what my actual side's going to be. Oh, is it neither of those things? It's none of those things, even though it would be all of them, really. It's my life. But I'm going to go for <laughs> Korean chicken wings from Chicken Sours. Wow, shout out Holly Smelt I know. and Rahani. And well, Rahani. Right, Rahani and Holly Smelt, right? I didn't know what chicken sours was. And when Sarah said they worked at chicken sours, I thought it was like a chicken cottage. So I was picturing the two of you <laughs> with your hair nuts on behind the till, like frying chicken. No, I didn't think anything of it. I just thought, oh, that's where they work. Mm-hmm. And then they, you kept calling them waiters. And I was like, are they called waiters? I mean, fair enough. If that's what they're called now, waiters. Mm-hmm. And then when I finally went to Chicken Sours, it was just a revelation. I didn't know that it was like this cool place and the K-pop burger. And I absolutely love Korean, I guess like westernized Korean food. I fucking love it. Mm-hmm. Um, my only gripe with all of these places, this includes Chicken Sours, Patty and Bun, um, 
they're the only two I can think of right now but you know that like London style like you uh-huh. know we don't even give you plates because we're so cool yeah we you get served on the metal tray that comes out of the oven yeah I can I can deal with that I don't yeah. mind that. oh things like uh, another place um pizza union and yes, pizza what's union. the other what's the other Franco Manca Franco Manca where I'm going tomorrow this is going to happen and I'm not going to be happy about it and the other pizza place is home slice so all yeah. of these places the food I love uh-huh but I do not want my fucking wine served in a glass that you would find in a hotel bathroom I like, know exactly you're so right there is nothing cool about that who are you trying to impress like a free glass it's like a what I imagine you get at a private dentist rather than those little cups like <laughs> what... two sips and it's gone yeah and it's also I don't want it to be big thick like yeah. window pane of glass it needs and to be thin feel hot for some reason it's, it's hot yeah. it's warm nothing's yeah. ever cold in that glass is it you can't now and I'm gonna have to grinning back I might bring me on wine glass because I'm yeah. going to Franco Manga tomorrow love the pizza fantastic but it's I find it offensive and rude when I'm given one of those stubby little chode glasses to drink <laughs> fucking wine out of <laughs> so a stemless glass if anyone's listening but it's not even I can do it no I'd, I know. I'd rather have a stemless glass I mean I'd rather have a stem full glass but if it's just literally the top of the wine glass and it's really thin then that's all I'm gonna live with that so if anyone's listening from Chicken Sours, from Pizza Union, from Patty and Bun, from, I keep wanting to say Pizza Cottage, but that is not it at all. <laughs> Home Franco Slice, Maga. Franco Maga. Please just keep one or two. To be fair, I've never asked because even though I'm absolutely being awful now, I wouldn't dream of complaining. But maybe they do keep a couple of wine glasses aside. Maybe I'll ask tomorrow the night. likes of you. Let's face it, I won't. So if you could just make that the standard, then that would be great. Anyway, so that would be my side. And... <laughs> Uh, if you didn't know what was coming with my drink, yes, it would be dry, dry, dry. <laughs> yeah, in an in a stem for glass, please. But it would be obviously the whole bottle, and it would be freezing cold mm-hmm. to the point where your tongue is just not sure what's going on because it's so hot outside. Whole outside of the glass is wetter than the inside. Yeah, a hundred percent. It would, and it there's just no flavor to it because it's so dry. It's just like drinking slightly winey water. Oh, bit. oh, and I would have the full bottle with me, man. Again, I'm you see sorry. what I mean? though? like carbonara and chicken wings doesn't really go bad. Whatever. Yeah, fuck yeah. I'm with you. Quick story about chicken sours. Do you remember me telling you the story about when I worked at a French Connection and somebody ran in, took a whole rack of dresses? I think that was episode back. one. Was it? I think it was. Oh, back. Um, when Holly worked on chicken sours, she was the host uh like the maitre d maybe the person that would stand at the entrance with the computer and the entrance was above ground and then you would go downstairs to be seated at the one that holly mahani worked at that's the one i love that's the one yeah. i go to oh. that is the one that they used to work at oh and there was <laughs> this cctv footage that holly was showed after the shift after the fact of her welcoming someone them just walking straight past her and downstairs and her just being like and then <laughs> a few minutes later them coming back up and walking back past her and holly waving and being like bye, like thanks bye that person had walked into the, like in down the stairs through the dining area into the staff room had robbed the staff of all of their belongings walked straight back out again and holly had just wished them well on their way 
Oh, Jesus. You can tell why we're busy mates. We're yeah. The same fucking person. Okay. That's brilliant. Anyway. Right. Dessert. Dessert. So this is a difficult one for me because I love sweet things. However, if push comes to shove, I'd much rather have more savoury. God, yeah. But I do think after all of the savoury that I've had so far, I would want some sweet. However, I would like to just an honourable mention to my ex-boyfriend who, let me tell you about, and, and lo and behold, it's another fucking buddy that I'm about to talk about. Um, which if I had dessert another, buddy? Yeah. If I had oh. another course in before pudding, this is what I'd have. There's this little Italian family-run restaurant near Curtain Road in Shoreditch. I can't remember. It's like one of those little side streets between sort of Old Street and Shoreditch High Street station. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know how you can sort of get lost in those little side streets. It's this yeah. little old Italian restaurant called Ruby's. And he used to work in that area and go there for his lunch pretty much every day, which was ridiculous because that kind of diet is, um, above all else, unethical. <laughs> <laughs> but they used to do this sandwich and it was on ciabatta with a garlic and chili oil spread across the ciabatta and then the ciabatta would be fried and then on it would go a chick like uh oh, what's it called when they're like bashed out flat butterflied but flatter like right pancake chicken, a pancake chicken breast <laughs> which was marinated in garlic lemon and chili sorry is this a dessert no 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 this is what i would have if i was oh, right yeah sorry if, I if it that. didn't have to be sweet okay and then with that, they would also fry halloumi, which would have been marinated in the same mixture, all on this ciabatta with a fuck ton of rocket and aioli. And he used to get that for his lunch, probably four days out of five in the working week. And once I met him for lunch and we went there and I was like, I fucking get it. I get why you piss your wages up the wall in this place because mm. I would do the exact same thing. And then one Valentine's Day, I was working at the time in Kurt Geiger. And I came home from work and it was really late and we said we weren't going to do anything for Valentine's Day. And when I got home, he decorated the whole flat so it looked like the Playboy Mansion. And he was wearing a silk robe and a bandana, which was strange. And he bought this length of red velvet tablecloth, like red velvet fabric, which he was using as a tablecloth. And he hung up a disco light. It was very, very 80s porno vibes. I love it. He bought me... A massive bottle of wine it was maybe like a magnum of wine for my valentine's day present even though we'd said we weren't doing presents and he'd somehow through what i imagine was a long course of trial and error figured out the ingredients and the method of making this sandwich oh. and he made us these sandwiches and then they became a staple of our diet from there on out and they were absolutely fucking stunning just loads of garlic and lemon zest and chili and so if i was to have something that wasn't sweet which would be my ideal world i would have that sandwich so i would have sandwich rice sandwich for my meal but i will honor the pudding tradition and go for something sweet and it's a toss-up a very close call between these two puddings but one does edge it and i've got another funny story about this but i don't know if it's funny for anyone other than us i don't know what it is Right. So basically when we were away, yeah, how would you know? When we were... <laughs> You're like waiting for a response there. I'm going to need some more information. When we were away for Anthony's birthday in January, 
um, one of his friends was there and I was chatting to her and we were we got on really well and then we'd been to this pub on the last day and we were offered pudding and I said do you have sticky toffee pudding and he'd said no and I was like oh. and she said you love sticky toffee pudding don't you and I was like ah, no, I, would, I wouldn't say it's my favorite pudding she was like eh and I was like no, it's not my favorite pudding and she went well every day that I've known you which is three days now <laughs> You've brought up sticky toffee pudding <laughs> at least once. Is it Ellen? Yes. <laughs> apparently every conversation we'd had, I just started waxing lyrical about sticky toffee pudding. <laughs> so contrary to popular belief, that isn't my favourite dessert. My favourite pudding is creme brulee. Is it? Mm-hmm. The only issue I find, I'm not, I can't tell you what my favourite one was, probably one that I've had in Italy maybe, but. My only issue with creme brulee is why are they so fucking tiny? Mm-hmm. I understand why they're shallow, but can't we just have a massive, again, dinner size? What about a cat food bowl? They're tiny as well. Dog food bowl? What about a horse food bowl? What about a horse? What about a trough? A thin, like a trough, yes. but a thin trough, like a shallow trough. A shallow trough. Like a piglet trough. You call me a piglet? Well, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's what I'd want. A really fucking massive but still shallow. Yeah. Creme brulee with a hot, crunchy top, but a cold, silky custard beneath. And then on the top, I want a perfect, like not too hard, not too soft, oval scoop of the world's sweetest vanilla ice cream. Do you mean and a quenelle? What does that mean? You know when they may get like a like an oval scoop, yeah. Yeah, that's what I want. A quenelle. But I want the oval spoon thing. To, I want them to make it out of ladles. Serving spoons, serving. huge serving spoons. Yeah. I've thought about what you could have it out of. A, yeah. Um, a boat. A drain pipe, cut. Like. <laughs> why do you think? Why do you keep thinking long? I don't know. I just think it's what more about fun. The top of a dustbin lid. Yes. We could do that. There is no. <laughs> it is in itself the top. <laughs> um, or like you know, a manhole cover. A manhole cover of creme brulee. Like that is... size, but in a dish, in a ramekin. An enormous quenelle vanilla ice cream sounds yeah. delish. I bought my mum a blowtorch for Christmas one year because she said she liked creme brulee. <laughs> Did she? Use it? Well, Did she fuck? She can. She can blow the top of my pudding if she wants. Sorry, are you asking my mum to blow the top of your pudding? Mary, would you like to blow the top of my pudding? Don't tempt her, she's got a very sweet tooth! <laughs> and then, to wash it down with, I want, and I'm the same as you, Paul, I don't want a glass, I want the bottle of vintage Verve Clicquot, please. Ooh, Arit, who do you think you are? I think I'm on my fucking death row meal. Not death row. Get yourself back in that restaurant. Yeah, I'm in the restaurant. Yeah, like a bottage. Bottage. A bottage. I'll have a bottage, please. One bottage for the top of my pudding, if you don't mind. And it's very cold in a crystal champagne flute. Wow. Huge one, though, obviously. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds incredible. For me, I'm going to have... I'm not asked about desserts, but I'm going to bring it back to a memory. So usually if I'm going to do desserts, I'll go brownie. I'll go chocolate torte. I love a chocolate torte. Something chocolatey, something basic bitch. Like, that's what I want. I'm not asked about jam, roly polies and shite. 
sticky toffee I can get used to, but I just don't get excited about desserts very much. But when me and Michael first started going out, he lived in this flat in Heaton. And I feel like desserts delivered is a huge thing now. But in Newcastle, there was a company called Desserts Delivered. And it was the most novel thing ever. And it was like five pound delivery. And you can break my heart with this story. I don't think so. Okay. It's just, I just got a dessert there from that I liked. (laughs) (laughs) So I ordered this. Well, it was quite cute because, you know, back we're probably like 22, had no money and thought, what can we do tonight? Oh, let's should we get desserts delivered like in bed? And I got this thing called the chocolate and peanut butter stack. And I don't know what it was. I don't know if it still exists, but it was uh, delicious. And this was back at the time when I would just say yes to everything. So Mm. just to try and not be a nuisance. And it took it took Michael a long time to know that I wasn't bothered about desserts. And one of my least favorite things ever is American style pancakes like get in the bin I hate them I think they're minging and Michael bless him made like homemade American style pancakes with maple syrup like it's not my thing babe it's not my thing I just don't like it and I, I just had to sit and eat them all I'm so glad that we're past that eight years later but this was like oh my god great a dessert that I like and it just was lovely eating it in bed and oh back in the day so I'd have so what was it a peanut butter and chocolate what Stack, but I don't know what it was. That's all I'm I've not got. Just like a Snickers. Well, may well have been, but it was delicious. It's my point. Okay, all right. Yes. <laughs> there we go. So that's me dessert, and my drink would be one of Michael's famous espresso martinis. Oh yes. And you know what? I honestly haven't had a better one. Like no, the I've one not. At, the one at Gloria, the salt and caramel one's pretty good. Uh, the one at the Ivy is pretty good, but generally, because the standards are so high here now, Michael usually does it as like a welcome drink when people come. And he puts salted car- no vanilla syrup, I think he puts in it, or maybe salted caramel. Anyway, it's just unparalleled. It's fantastic. It's all handmade. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Don't know what I meant by that. I meant like individually made it takes them about 20 years to make them all a mixture for any of it yeah I mean can you do that I don't know but they're so delicious so that would be like me isn't aperitif after or before before no because limoncello limoncello isn't aperitif isn't it I have no idea but anyway it's after so I'd have that so that would be the meal so let's just go through you do yours quickly the whole lot yep so it would be a Chicken, bacon, lettuce, baguette from the Applesock Deli, followed by, oh, with a apple martini, apple teeny, followed by lamb plow, um, chapati with a side of roti chanai and a draft coke with ice and a slice. And then a, an absolute trough, a shallow trough full of creme brulee with a serving spoon, what's it called? I did not serve oh, quenelle. Quinelle of the world's best vanilla ice cream and a magnum of Verve Clico. 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 What would yours be? And mine would be an enormous seafood tower that the housewives have, but with sashimi on it as well, with a really strong, really dirty vodka martini. Then I'd have the carbonara that I had in Venice when I was 12 with the comfy egg yolk on the top, with loads of black pepper as well, actually. 
and a side of Korean chicken wings from Chicken Sours with an enormous cold to the point of like just before it starts turning into slush. Pino, 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 pino grigio. <laughs> I actually bought a bottle of pino grigio yesterday that was called pino, pino grigio. And I just thought it was hilarious. And then I'd have the chocolate and peanut butter chocolate and peanut butter stack from desserts delivered in Newcastle circa 2014 with one of Michael's famous espresso martinis and then the night wouldn't end there because I would get up on the sand with the music Sarah would appear from her cave (laughs) through the waterfall (laughs) through the waterfall covered in creme brulee still carrying the fucking magnum of verve clico they're chasing her for the bill because she's got no money and we would just run towards that gay club we wouldn't be full (laughs) and robin's getting louder and louder (laughs) call your girlfriend we're running across the beach we keep falling over stumbling people (laughs) are looking at her but we're not fucking arse we're sweating you can see sarah's nipples through our white top none of us care i've thrown me trainers away because they're only holding us back (laughs) climb the rock face (laughs) towards the bar I get up first. I'm pulling Sarah up by her ponytail. On my forehead. By Sarah's forehead skin. And then we'll finally get there. And Robin's still on. It's Robin night. She's in. live. She's fucking live. It was her all along. We knew it. It's the cock on Tottenham Court Road, but it's been transported to, I don't know, wherever we are. Young done. Mungo's there living his best life. Young Mungo did, did leave. Spoiler He's alert. with James. He's with James. <laughs> oh, nah. Whoa. And then at the end of the night, we go for a kebab. Oh, yeah. It's really stinking kebab. and had the shit all the next day. <laughs> but we just lie in bed all day, so it's fine. And watch Below Deck. Oh, I feel sick. Sick, <sighs> sick, sick to my stomach that that isn't our reality. <laughs> I'm sweating and I'm dripping from me mouth, bum and willy. <laughs> you know what's happened everyone we don't usually do this because this was supposed to be a quick episode we've now been recording for an hour and a half we've both topped up twice so we're both mortal we're pissed we're We're not usually pissed we only ever have one drink but this time we've gone too far we're mortal and we haven't even done next week's book it's my oh fucking I'm gonna do it really quickly, don't worry. Okay. Right. Thank you. That was I enjoyed that way more than I thought. I, I'm Me that, too. I've never been so jealous of uh, James A. Castor and Ed Gamble. What a what a joy. they feel like this every time. Bloody hell, take a natural high. Do you know well, what I say a natural out? high. <laughs> Three glasses of wine high. <laughs> what are you gonna say? Takes another sip from his glass. <laughs> Sometimes they sound a bit fucking bleak as well. I'm gonna write in outraged. I know that's the really I'll take your listeners. Aye, maybe we could actually get on there one day. Right, next week's book, Sarah, is a book that you got me for my 30th birthday, but because of this bloody podcast, I haven't had a chance to read anything else. So yes. this next week, we are going to read The Audacity by Catherine Ryan, one of my favourite comedians, seen her twice. So I really, oh, yeah, so you also got me the tickets to the show that were in the book, Very Cute, yep. with Izzy and... Laura went to see it five stars from me brilliant show love Catherine Ryan and the drink we're gonna have so one of Catherine Ryan's good old faithful jokes is that when she was younger and I daughter was younger because I daughter was like 13 14 now mm-hmm. she used to tell her daughter that white wine was day wine and red wine was night wine 
So she'd be like, why are you drinking? Oh, I can't remember the joke. I'm not a comedian. But anyway, day wine, night wine. Obviously, I'm more a fan of day wine. But I discovered a night wine that I really like. Oh, and my God. I did this when I organized a queer wine tasting event at work because this researcher, best email I've ever got, directly into my inbox. Hello, I am looking to do, I'm, I'm a researcher in vineology or whatever wine is, and I'm looking to do wine tastings with LGBT staff networks. I was like, are you fucking for real? That's the best Surely email not. I've ever got in my life. And we did. And that's a stalker. Fantastic. I don't give a shit. She can stalk us all she wants as long as she mm-hmm. brings the way. So it's called Porto. You've probably seen it. Oh, yes. With the little cute thing on the front. It's like Is a it from Portugal? Tram. Uh, yeah. It's only 6.50 from Sainsbury's. And I really, really liked it. So it's got a, like a tram on the front. Very nice. I, I always judge wines by the labels as I do. But so the covers, you know, it's just the kind of person I am. So that's what we're going to have. A glass of that. Stunning. A glass or a bottle? Well, probably a bottle. A bottle of night wine. I can't wait. Um, I've also seen Catherine Ryan twice. However, the first time I was blackout drunk, don't remember mm. anything. The second time, my friend bought me tickets to make up for me missing the first time due to alcoholism. And I was blackout drunk for that one too. They Allegedly, she she told me off for heckling her. So... Oh, you didn't heckle Catherine Ryan bloody well. I think I was just laughing too audaciously. Well, we'll make it up to our next week when we'll talk about our book, provided it's good. Hope it is. All right, that's quite enough. They've also started doing the 40-minute Zoom thing again, everyone. Do you remember that? Remember when they used to cut you off after 40 minutes? Well, that seems to be a thing again. So we've got three files now that we need to stitch together. And when I say we, I mean Sarah, because I don't know how to do it. So... (laughs) We will see you all next week. We love you all very much. Send wow, in your meals if you want. We're proper wine drunk. Yeah. yeah. If you if you have listened to the Off Menu podcast with James A. Caster and Ed Gamble and you think, I'd love to go on that, but I'm not famous enough. No one isn't famous enough for us. So yeah. send us your meals and we'll read them out. That'll be Abs- fun for everyone. We absolutely will. <laughs> yeah, that'll be great. Let's read meals and meals and meals. Fuck the books. I've said the F word so many times. Okay, bye, everybody. Love Love you. you. Bye. Bye.